Well, who is excited to be in the house today? Who can see me all right? Okay, well, I really felt to be down here today because I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to let loose. Everyone say, let loose. And sometimes if you're up on the stage, there's restrictions there. And so I don't want to have any restrictions. Whatever God's prompting to happen here today, I want him to have free reign. Amen. Let's just come into a time of prayer. Ask everyone just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. And we pray that you would fill this place. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing. And above all, God, we thank you for your faithfulness that your love towards your people is never-ending, that you will always pursue us, that you are an eternal God and we love who you are, God. We just want to honor your character and honor your heart, Jesus, for who you are. And we worship you in this place, Lord. Lord, this is your house. Lord, this is where your people are. It's where you dwell within them, Lord. But Lord, this is where you're allowed to have free reign, God. We declare that this is your territory. We declare that there's an open heaven here today. And we thank you, Lord, Lord, for miracles in this place. We thank you, Lord, for divine movement of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to have your way to bring healing emotionally, physically, Lord, to bring prophetic insight to the future and the destiny of people in this place. Lord, we thank you for your anointings right now in this place to be activated. And we thank you, Lord, there be no uh, hindrances to your spirit moving in this place. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, uh, as uh, Pastor Sandy mentioned, I'm bringing a word this morning titled, What's Love Got to Do With It? And I think we've got that banner up there. What's Love Got to Do With It? And I felt to bring a particular word today on the love of God. And uh, Apostle Julie last Sunday talked about the importance of unity, the importance of making sure that we are disciplined in our speech about people that we're in fellowship with. And I thought it was a great foundation to what I wanted to bring this morning. And uh, I'm just going to ask you to give me permission just to flow today. Uh, We're going to see what happens when I feel a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We might pray for people. I might even ask some of our leaders to be uh, participating in things. So I just want everyone to be ready and uh, expectant for what God wants to do in this service today. And so to start off with what's love got to do with it, I wanted to start with a very uh, famous scripture that illustrates the love of God. But I wanted to do something different and just break it down today and kind of look at and understand even the increment parts of it word by word. And really, I wanted to open up by talking about the love of the Father, the Father's love Uh, experiencing God's love. Me personally, I have recently come into a great understanding of the love of God, now first becoming a father, only 14 months, but Pastor Sarah can uh, testify to this, but you know, there is this amazing balance of the father's love or even just parental love where you you absolutely take joy in your child, but also you're quite protective. Uh, Everyone say protection. And so when it comes to understanding the Father heart of God, I think it's important that there's this beautiful, it's not one-dimensional, it's not two-dimensional, I mean, it's, it's many-faceted. Even heaven says that angels circle the throne room of God, and every time they come around, they cry out the word hallelujah, uh, which is just praise the Lord, because they see another facet of the heart of God, uh, the Creator. And, and so there's always this ongoing revelation that we can get of the Father, Father's heart, the love of God, and I think 
sometimes as Christians, particularly uh, in a church like this where we believe in also the importance of warfare, that we're not called just to be Christians who love, but we're also called to be people who fight because love is not just about peace, but love is also about war. Does everyone know that? That love is really uh, the, the most powerful supernatural force that God has given us and that he, we receive from Him not just to love people, but love actually is a war that the very love of God is the, one of the greatest and most powerful weapons against the work of the enemy. Amen. And so understanding that the love of God and who God is, that God is actually the general of the mightiest army ever to know planet Earth. It's called the church. And, uh, but he's also a father in heaven. He's a creator. He fashions life. He breathes life into people. But ultimately, God is a redeemer. God is someone who wants to cover things and he wants to protect, but he also wants to bring redemption. He wants to take situations and turn them into good. He wants to bring change for a good reason. And so in John 3.16, we've probably all heard it before, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, it's only one sentence, that scripture. And yet that sentence contains... Only 24 words, but we want to break down those words and unwrap the revelation of the heartbeat of God. From this one verse, we can actually learn different things about the dimensions of the love of God. And I actually sense right now in this place that the Lord will want you to know that many people here, you have revelations of certain dimensions. But I believe that for most of us here, there are certain dimensions of the revelation of the love of God that may be missing inside of you. And at times, the, how that causes us to stumble or even be hindered personally in our, in our identity usually comes up when it comes to rejection or it comes to fear. There's things that manifest in our world where we feel isolated or lonely and we act out because sometimes there's degrees or dimensions about the love of God that we need to to enter our heart, pierce our heart and come and bring healing. And so the first thing about the love of God is the love of God is unconditional. It's unconditional. The first part of that scripture, for God so loved the world. The Greek word for world is actually cosmos. Everyone say cosmos. And it's defined as this, the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. For God so loved the ungodly multitude, for he so loved the people that weren't perfect. And so this is what it means. It doesn't mean for God so loved just the Jews or for, so God just loved all the people that uh, you know, read their Bible every day. For God so loved the multitude of people who were broken, hurt, sinned against him. When you think about it, wouldn't it be easier to get a revelation of God if the God uh, that we worship loved the world that loved him? When you think about it, most of the world rejects God. They reject who He is, what He's done. Sometimes the very response that God gets to His love is rejection. Now catch this. But God's love is all-powerful and can beat rejection. God's love can overcome rejection. Because God continues to love. Everyone say continues. He continues and He continues and He continues to love, even though His love, His heart... His character is rejected repeatedly every single day in the hearts and minds of many people on planet Earth. And historically, that's happened. And so watch this. If you've ever battled rejection, 
then the key answer to overcoming rejection is the love of God because inside the love of God is the ability to overcome rejection because He is the undisputable, undefeatable lover of all people. I want to share this with you, man and woman of God, here this morning. That I believe sometimes there are people when we do this Christian thing, we get excited at the beginning, but sometimes we put a cap on our fuel tank because we've loved and we've encouraged, but we've been hurt, we've been disappointed, we've been bruised by other people around us, whether it be other Christians, whether it be our family members. And sometimes people naturally get to the point where they just kind of cap it now. It's like, yep, I love God. I love people, but I'm just kind of, God, I'm going to limit it because I, I just want to protect myself. I just want to create these walls. I'm just going to, I'm going to be this two-dimensional Christian. But yet, literally the joy and the freedom that we all want to experience is the breaking out of the love of God inside of us that creates the overflow that they talked about in the book of Acts. Who knows that when you have an overflow in your life, there's a breaking out. You feel like you're loose on the inside. And so a lot of us, I believe, God's wanting to say, hey, when we get a deeper revelation of the unconditional love of God, it has no conditions, it has no limitations upon it, it has no rules or regulations about it, it's just we've got to get underneath His source of love, connect with Him, and if you keep going back to that God, if you keep going back to that God, then you can actually break out of any limitations that you're experiencing right now. And so unconditional love, whoever gave me the tissues, bless you in Jesus' name. You're awesome. And so <clears throat> his love is unconditional. And then <clears throat> actually Philip Yancey in a, in a book, a prominent Christian author wrote this. He said, there is nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. I am even sensing that corporately here that God actually just wants to break off something. And I'm hearing that God is wanting to break off a spirit of performance. Uh, there's, there's just been something that's come over some people lately where they're trying to push and strive and perform to earn God's love. And I'm just seeing that it's just restricting freedom in their ability to relate with the Lord. So let's just put our hands uh, just even towards the atmosphere here. Just kind of put your hands out. Father, we thank you, Lord, right now, Lord, for a shift in the atmosphere. And Lord, we come against, Lord, a ceiling upon people's lives where they've started to believe that they have to perform to earn the love of God. And right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we break and we shatter that wrong stronghold that's creating a false ceiling, Lord, that's preventing people from feeling free, that they can run into your presence and they can run into having time with you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we shatter that restriction right now in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give God a round of applause. We're going to keep this praise going. The second part, so for God so loved the world that he gave. Everyone say that he gave. That he gave. And the love of God is sacrificial. According to a footnote in the English Standard Version of the Holy Bible, an alternate translation of the first part of John 3.16 is as follows. For this is how God loved the world. How did God love us? He loved us by giving, by serving, by sacrificing. So here we learn something important. For God so loved the world that he gave. The first part or dimension around how God expresses that endless love is through giving, by making a sacrifice. And I believe that uh, when we come into a fuller revelation of how much of a sacrifice he's made for us, it actually brings healing on the inside. Let's talk about that. 
when it comes to the sacrifice that he, he made, we, we're talking about something valuable that he gave. Who knows that if you give something, but it's not really valuable, it's not really a sacrifice. Amen. So if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we know that it wasn't, uh, Jesus wasn't one son of many. Who knows that if you have uh, about four TVs, giving one away, it's not really going to cost you that much. As opposed to if it's only your only TV, right? And then you can't watch My Kitchen Rules if you give it away, if you're into that show or whatever show you're into. But we're talking about acknowledging this morning that God's only son, his only son, his only son he gave. It's the level and the dimension of his giving, that sacrificial giving, that he laid down the, the one precious thing that he had to himself, his only begotten son. And so it's also personable. God's love is personable because it's his son. He didn't uh, you know, give his angel or give anything that wasn't personable. It was a personable thing. And I want you to think about that level of commitment that he has towards you. If he laid down his only son, that level of, of commitment that he has towards you, getting that heartbeat, that understanding of the love of God. The next one I want to talk about is that God's love is accessible, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him. So it's not about whoever performs really well, whoever acts perfectly like a Christian, whoever believes in him can access that love. The next one is that God's love is not non-judgmental. And I want to sit here for a little while this morning because I believe there's a bit of breakthrough around this one. That whoever believes in him should not perish. Everyone say not perish. God's love is non-judgmental. God's goal in sending his son from heaven to earth was not to condemn you or to show you how bad you are or how unworthy you are or how hopeless you are. God's only desire in sending his son was to show you his love and draw you into a love relationship with himself. Jesus came to rescue you. He didn't come to criticize you. He came to cleanse you. He didn't come to punish you. He came to pardon you. He didn't come to destroy you. He came to deliver you. However... Everyone say, however. However. Everyone say, balance. balance. Jess knows my favorite word in Christendom is balance. <laughs> balance, balance, balance. However, this does not mean that God is not of God, is not a God who doesn't still have judgment. So his love is not judgmental, but he is still a God of judgment. What do we mean by that? It's an interesting concept. Let's think about this. For there is a huge difference between recognizing right and wrong and being judgmental. See, there is a difference between judging the unrepentant sinner and being judgmental. Being judgmental means that one has a critical spirit that only looks for the bad in people and then is quick to judge as condemn them when they find that out. God, on the other hand, will judge us for our sins and even sentence us to hell, but only as a last resort. So let's get some balance here. Only over what last resort? Only over his son's dead body, meaning only if we refuse to accept his offer of forgiveness. That's the balance. Everyone say balance. Another way of looking at it is that it isn't so much that God sends us to hell as that we choose hell over heaven if we don't choose Jesus Christ. Now, what did I just tell you then? I just told you truth. Watch this. Love cannot be disconnected to the truth. 
And this is one of the balances that I want to talk about today. Because the love of God is about love, compassion, mercy, grace. We're going to look more at that a little bit later. But the love of God is also about protection, correction, conviction, and truth. Because He so loves us that He doesn't want us to have a life eternally spent distant from Him. Everyone say balance. And so God's love is not judgmental. God's love isn't like, oh, okay, what can I find about them that's not quite living up to the mark? His love's not like that. But he does judge. The good news is that we can now be free from the consequences of that judgment because of the blood of Christ. Amen. That's why he so loved us. He wanted to set us free from the consequences of judgment. So he's still, his identity, he can't escape that. He is a judge because he's righteous. He's perfect. But yet his love is not judgmental. I know with my little girl, Zara, you know, I mean, I have so much compassion for her. Right? If she falls over, it's like, oh, right? And then, you know... If she opens up the, the cupboards and I've tried to teach her, look, the chemicals are in there. Now we've got the locks, all, all that. But, you know, you, you want to just kind of, you know, come on. You have the mercy and you look past all of that. But can I tell you, Sarah will testify to this, right? Sometimes I'm probably a little bit overprotective. But, man, the heartbeat of a father inside me towards her is just to protect her. Right? I don't want her to fall down the stairs. I don't want her to, to get into chemicals where she can poison herself. I don't want her to get into things that could kill her. I want to protect. I want to protect. I want to protect. As she grows up and she starts to understand things, the way, some of the way that I will protect her heart is I will correct her. Actually, no, don't do that. Because if you keep doing that, this is what's going to happen. If I had this attitude of like... Uh, just do whatever you want. If I abdicated my calling as a father, they wouldn't be loving her. The same is true as your father in heaven towards you. He doesn't want to abdicate his role of being a father to you. He wants to protect you. And sometimes how he protects you is he pulls you close and he says, Hey, I just want to help you to recalibrate here realign there's something a little bit amiss here and if it keeps happening it's going to get harder and harder to come back to realign so let me just correct you here let me just correct the pathway here because i don't want to see you trip up let me bring in a sporting analogy here about the heartbeat of god protecting protecting your father in heaven wants to protect you he gives you freedom to make a choice, but he wants to give you wisdom. He wants to guide you. He wants to protect you. But a sporting analogy here, Don Shula, who's the coach of the Miami Dolphins in the United States, was talking to a, a journalist, a reporter, about a player's mistake in practice. And he said, we never let an error go unchallenged. Uncorrected errors multiply he said to the reporter. And then the reporter said, isn't there benefit in overlooking one small flaw? And this is the, the sporting analogy here. Shula said, what is a small flaw? I think about that all day long. What is a small flaw? I see that with my children, I've let a lot of things slide by because I was too tired. This is his response. I didn't want another confrontation, but uncorrected errors do multiply. 
You've got to face them someday. You might as well face them on the spot. If I could do it over again with my children, I'd face the errors on the spot. It's easier on them and on you. That works in relationship with anyone. If there's something under the surface, something you sense, you might as well just bring it right out. Face it right then. Now, let me bring a little bit of balance to that. The scriptures say that love covers a multitude of sin. A little bit later in this message, I'm going to talk about the importance of sometimes you do have to let things go. And you do have to kind of just, okay, all right, I won't say anything. Apostle Julie was talking about that. Sometimes not always having to bring up something. But we have to properly justify and, and, and understand and appropriate what we should do when we're responding with the love of God. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. But what I'm saying here is, is that there are sometimes Christians and even non-Christians who will actually try to um, hinder someone from actually providing the protective love of God by saying, oh, you're being judgmental because you're correcting me. Can I say this? Boom, 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 shake the room. <laughs> I can tell you when someone says that to me, with the love of God, I say, you know what? Just be careful you're not trying to manipulate me here. Sounds like a teenager. Oh, Dad, you're, just trying, you, you're judging me. No, actually, I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to love you. But the defense of the teenager who is a less mature adult, they're not quite mature yet. So we have teenage Christians spiritually I'm talking about. Sometimes react to the protective love that God's centered them around through people or mentors by trying to put up this defense. Well, oh, don't you judge, don't you judge, don't you. Are you being judgmental? You know, it says in the Bible you can't be judgmental. Everyone say balance. Come on, let's think about this. Love is not judgmental, but love is still centered on truth. Watch this. Some people love people with the love of Jesus, even to the point where they compromise the truth, thinking they're really loving. You know what? I, I understand. It's okay, I understand. You can understand. But if someone really loves you, and someone's doing something that's going to actually create some real havoc in their life. You've got to love them beyond just understanding. Let's have a look here. Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Again, love in truth is wisdom. God doesn't call us to look at his example and go, Oh, Jesus just loves, so we're just going to love blindly with no wisdom and not anchored on truth. Yay, we'll just love everything and love everyone and not be discerning. Love! Like a ballet person who's kind of not quite conscious. <sighs> Proverbs 27.6, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Boom, 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 shake that room. Called your headspace. Wounds from a sincere friend. Come on now. There is Christian love out there that we call blind love without truth. I call it flattery. Flattery is just telling someone what they want to hear. There's no substance to it. Come on. Real love is sincere. And so wounds from a sincere friend. Sometimes do we get wounded because love may also be inclusive of protection towards us. 
Yeah, but the wounds of our ego, the bruise to our ego will be nothing compared to the wounds, what will happen if we continue along that path. And if someone who doesn't really love us isn't willing to actually have the boldness and the bravery to kind of just gently, in the way that God would, highlight it and bring it up. A lot of times Christians think not confronting things is the way that we love. Sometimes if we keep sweeping things under the rug, the mound gets so big we trip over it and we break our jaw. Proverbs 27.5, better is open rebuke. What? Better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. Boom, 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 shake that room again. Many of us fear confrontation, but without it, wounds fester. When there are genuine problems in the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to begin the process of healing by confronting the issue in love. And my only caution here as a pastor, and it's a big one, and that is when you go to confront someone in love because there's an issue with them, you, whatever it is, be sure that you are on the right side of the issue, meaning make sure that you have prayed and searched the scriptures and make sure that it is not an issue that is simply a matter of personal preference, like they're just annoying you because, you know, they like a particular style of music more than you. Not more than you. A style of music more than the style that you like. Make sure that it's actually scripturally relevant to confront. Pastor Ben Nateko was here a couple of months ago and he was talking about how, you know, someone was just having a go at him about his shirt. Well, you need to get over stuff like that. But there are actual things that we do have to talk about. So it's a balance. Everyone say balance. It's not always about, oh, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. I'll be up front with you. As a pastor, I've let things go. As in, oh, I won't say anything. Won't say anything. Jesus, help me. Okay, I won't say anything. Won't say anything. And then the mess that that person's got themselves into because I chose not to say anything. So I've learned from that. So if I ever say anything to you, it's because I love you. <laughs> uh, and you know, I actually don't say much. But when I say it, it's because you really need to hear it. So love, love, the love of God. So many great things about it. Unconditional, sacrificial, personal. Non-judgmental, but understanding that it's about balance. And God's love is beneficial. Before we get to it being beneficial, and then I've got another part to move on, I just wanted to, I just sense there are some people here today, and there's something going on in your heart where for whatever reason, for a good while, a lot of the conversations with people is more superficial because you're trying to never, ever confront stuff. It's like you've lost your courage to really love people. Now, when I say loving people, we don't always have to have full-on confrontational things. Let me bring some balance to this point, okay? Let me say, let me say this. This is important. All right. God's love, when God's love corrects, 
It's like a surgeon's scalpel. It's delicate. Come on now. It's precise. And it goes in there with a very key purpose. To help loosen and bring out of that situation what's hindering so that then healing can quickly come and recovery can come. God does not call you to love like a butcher. He calls you to love like a surgeon. I've seen many Christians love with, like a butcher. <laughs> Let's just, you know when they butcher the meat? <laughs> and I'm just sensing here today, there are some people you've experienced being butchered. And I can actually feel the heart beat of God that he just wants to bring healing. But I also sense there are some people where you've been, maybe you've experienced it before yourself, that you're so cautious around people that you're so hesitant to have a courageous conversation even though it's blindly obvious that you need to have it with someone because you're so scared of the outcome. I'm like, I'm sensing God wants to bring healing to that. He wants to recalibrate today because there are times when God's wanting to put the Word of God but like a surgeon's scalpel in your hand and just gently with love, with precision, just bring some things up. Because we can't leave things in the darkness. You've got to bring things into the light. I know personally, I had a f- particular choice in my life before as a Christian that I was very ashamed of, hugely ashamed and I'd been a Christian for about seven months. And I called my youth pastor up at the time. And I said, I have to confess something. I have to get something out into the light. I just feel like if I don't tell someone about a choice that I made, that I'm just going to be hindered. God's telling me I just need to talk to someone. And I'm calling you because I trust you. And I have told this story before, but many years ago. I find myself driving that afternoon about 3 o'clock in the afternoon towards my youth pastor's office. I got there around 3.30. No joke, it took until around 2 a.m. that morning. I was there for that long to be able to get it out of my mouth. I was so ashamed. I was so worried about what this person would think. My youth pastor sat there with the Father's heart, the love of God, the patience, saying, it's okay. I'm not going to judge you. But I can see, I can sense you have, to, you have to get it out in the light for God to move and for healing to come. So I just want to pray for those people. If ever you've sensed like you've been butchered before by someone in Christendom, I want you to stand. I don't want you to be embarrassed, but I want to pray for you. And also if there's anyone here and you've sensed that you've just been so cautious that you can't, you've just been lacking bravery to bring up anything for fear of what would be the consequence if you just brought it up. I just want you to stand as well. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, in this place, I pray right now for a freedom in the atmosphere. And Lord, where there have been chains upon people who've been butchered and it felt like they've been judged and they've been badgered with the love of God, It wasn't done skillfully. It was done with a lack of wisdom. Lord, any of those people here in this place, Father, right now I pray, Lord, that a breaking off 
of that thing. Lord, that badgering. Lord, a breaking off of the scars of butchery right now in Jesus' name. And we declare, Lord, Lord, for a healing balm of Gilead to be released in this place. Holy Spirit, bring healing right now. Thank you, Lord, that you love us and you want to protect us. But, Lord, no one deserves to be butchered. Right now where there's been tender parts of their heart that have been pressed, pressured. Right now I pray, Lord, speak. we speak life into those parts of their spiritual heart. Lord, we bring repair right now to their heart, right now in the name of Jesus. God, just pour in your love. Pour in your healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, those people that have been hindered and not been able to speak truth. Father, I thank you, Lord. Set them free today. Set them free, Lord. Lord, with your wisdom gone, that you give them the bravery, you give them the boldness, you give them that mantle to speak love in truth. Lord, to be a witness into the heartbeat of people's situations. Lord, to be a carrier and an ambassador of your word. That brings life, but also is designed to cut away the things that are hindering people. Lord, I thank you, Father, that they're going to take up their surgeon's sculpt, scalpels right now, Father. And they're going to no longer hesitate, Lord, to be a truth speaker in those situations where it's needed, where you're prompting them, Lord. Father, I break off a spirit of intimidation right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we break it off and we thank you, Lord, for freedom in those people's lives. And everyone said, amen. Let's give God a clap offering here. He can take a seat. And so God's love is beneficial. Everyone say beneficial. The last bit was, but have eternal life in that scripture. If we go back to the whole part, I'll read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, let's talk about this. Love is actually looking for an outcome. The love of God looks for an outcome. What is that outcome? Redemption. Love does, God doesn't just love blindly because it's a nice thing to do when it's who he is, but he actually loves with a purpose. He loves to see an outcome. He loves to see a breakthrough. He loves eternally. If someone rejects his love, he continues to love. He continues to love. He continues to love. He continues to pursue. He continues to pursue. He continues to knock. He continues to knock at their heart. He'll continue to reach out to them. He'll never, ever, 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 ever give up. But there is always a day that comes where the opportunity to respond to the love of God ends. And that's the bridge between this mortal world and eternity itself. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. No one. And so there is a benefit to the love of God, and it is actually about helping people to not only reconciled to him but to redeem their life god wants to heal situations love covers a multitude of sin but it doesn't ignore it or never speak of it 
So love covers. It protects. Love certainly does not mean ignoring sins or not noticing them at all. It is actually unloving for us to not notice sin, to turn a blind eye to it. If you see someone sinning, then your first responsibility through the love of God is to pray. Is to pray and pray for them. When we are wronged, our calling is to practice what we call moral calculus. What do I mean by that? So this is again the balance. When we have to actually talk to someone. Love is beneficial. Love wants to bring reconciliation. Love wants to bring redemption to a situation. Love does not just want to create a little bit of an ignoring opportunity, hoping that everything will fix itself one day. When we are wronged, our calling is to practice moral calculus. In this, what we mean by that is that we need to actually evaluate. Should I let this go? Is it just a little bit of a personal gripe? I need to let this one go. Or is it a specific situation that I need to actually talk through it? I need to bring it up. What we usually do is think we are practicing a sense of, oh, I'm, I'm loving them by just never talking about it. But it's not true. There are cases where we are to overlook. But a lot of the times we've got to have the bravery to talk about things. In Romans 2.4, it says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Watch this. If we never bring things up, then it actually never gives someone the opportunity to repent. Oh, come on now. Come on. The love of God wants to create an opportunity for reconciliation, repentance, redemption. If we never bring anything up, then people don't usually have to ask for forgiveness or acknowledge what they've done wrong to us relationally. There's no real truthful opportunity for repentance. We just don't talk about it. Ever. We don't go there. Come on. Who knows that there's a lack of freedom and a lack of joy in life like that? Come on now. I'm just sensing that God wants to... Some marriages here. I'm not going to get you to stand or raise your hand. There's things going on in some marriages. It happens everywhere. But I'm hearing this. God's saying... You need to get out in the light. You need to talk through things. You need to be up front with each other and honest and love each other while listening to each other and come to a place of reconciliation, come to a place of repentance because in that God says, I'll bring redemption. I'm just, I've got a word of knowledge here. There are some people here where you're hurt by the person you're married to, deeply hurt. Hearing God say, come on, get in prayer, get bold, have a chat, have a talk, invite me in, says the Holy Spirit. I want to bring redemption. God says, I want to break the shackles off your marriages. 
Father, right now in this place, Lord, I pray that you'd release a spirit of bravery and a spirit of boldness and a spirit of faith. Lord, just to help people, Lord, to position themselves in love, to talk and to listen. Lord, to listen more as Apostle Julie preached with two ears and talk less with one mouth. Lord, seek first to understand their partner before trying to be understood. Understanding what the other person needs. What does the other person want? Father, I thank you, Lord, as we step out and we do this in the privacy of our homes, Lord, that you're going to release, Lord, a new dimension and a fresh dimension of joy in our homes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God's love toward you and in you wants to benefit you. God's love isn't about just never talking about anything. Because love can never be disconnected from truth. Amen? Let me share a couple of more thoughts about what Paul teaches is the most excellent way about love. I feel like God is releasing more of a revelation about the wholeness of his love, the balance of his love. And that's why we need to worship him, because he's just amazing. He is amazing. He is a holy God, meaning he's whole. There's nothing about him that's off, that's missing this. You know, even most talented human beings, it's like we always can critique some part of their character because they need God. They're broken without Jesus. But God is whole. There's no facet of him that is not broken. That is broken, sorry. And so the most excellent way, let me share this. Have you heard the story about the actor who was playing the part of Jesus in the Passion Play? And as he carried the cross up the hill, a tourist who was watching the play starts heckling the guy playing Jesus. Have you heard about this story? Making fun of him and shouting insults at him. And so finally the actor had taken all of it that he could take and so he threw down his cross. He walked over to the tourist and punched him out. (laughs) And after the play was over, the director told him, I know he was a pest, but I can't condone what you did. Besides, you're playing the part of Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus never retaliated like that. So don't do anything like that again, okay? Well, the man promised he wouldn't, but the next day the heckler was back, worse than before. And finally the actor exploded and punched him out again. The director said, that's it, I have to fire you. We just can't have you behaving this way while playing the part of Jesus. The actor begged, please, please give me one more chance. I really need this job. I can't handle it if it happens again. So the director decided to give him another chance. So the next day he was carrying the cross up the street and sure enough, the heckler was there again. Who could, uh, you could tell that the actor was really trying to control himself, but it was, about to get, he was about, it was about to get the best of him. And he was clenching his fists and grinding his teeth. And finally, he looked at the heckler and said, I'll meet you after the resurrection. <laughs> you know, sometimes it is hard, isn't it? For those who profess to be Christians, to behave like Christians should, to love people with the love of Jesus. You know, when you really just feel like, clenching your fist and showing them how perfectly manicured your nails are. <laughs> but the Bible teaches us that we are to be people who exercise love in all of our relationships with, another, with one another. But remember, 
Again, now we've got the balance that the love of God is not just oh, the love of Jesus, but it's balanced. So therefore, when we love on people, we do it with the same love that we understand our God has, which is balanced. Big thing I always talk about is, yes, we're called to forgive, but forgiveness doesn't mean that trust is established and healed. Jesus himself had boundaries. Everyone say boundaries. With love, but there were boundaries because Jesus also loved with wisdom. He had three closest to him. First of all, he had the Father in heaven that he was his number one inner circle. Then he had the three disciples. Then he had the rest. Then he had the crowns. Jesus didn't just let anyone come on in and say, you're, you're the Savior, you're the Messiah, so we need to spend time together. Come on, Jesus, let's hang out. You don't want to hang out with me? What, you want to, I need to go and speak to this disciple? Why won't you hang out? You don't love me. Oh, come on now. Have we ever had that thought about our own pastor? Ooh, boom, 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 shake the room. Or our leader, or our whoever. And so loving the most excellent way is about understanding the balance of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is talking about loving, but because we talked about balance, now let's look at how important love is and what is it all, why is love, or what's love got to do with it? Okay, 1 Corinthians, we know the love chapter, it's usually the most popular thing of teaching to be brought forth for a wedding. And uh, I want to talk about it today. The importance, what's love got to do with it? So we have God's love inside of us. And how do we love? How do we love? You know, Bishop Bill Hammond, who's the father of the faith of our network of churches called Christian International, his latest book that's come out, you're going to have to help me. What's it called again? How could these things happen? How can these things be? And uh, he's currently, you know, been very successful. He's doing TV shows about the moment because it's love, 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 love. It's a book of love but of truth, it actually talks about how people can minister and there could be whole moves of God and things like that, but yet the minister is actually fully, deeply living in sin. How can these things be? How can a minister where there's full on, his, the God's blessing the ministry and yet the minister himself is not living right? How can these things be? It talks about how, well, God actually wants to see people blessed and ministered and if the vessel is broken and not perfect sometimes God because he loves the people so much will still move through that vessel but he goes into all of these things and he's, he's quite it's good it's convicting it's, he, he as a as a as a senior senior prophet who knows a prophet sometimes is called to convict not condemn but the love of God convicts everyone say convicts he's written this book because he feels the love of God is wanting to convict some things going on on planet Earth at the moment. He's even convicting and saying some, there are some ministers who've got a very fruitful ministry, but are they actually going to be in heaven? Because Jesus said, you can cast out demons in my name, but I do not know you. And so again, when we look at Corinthians, what's love got to do with it? In everything that we do for God, about God, it has to lead first with love. But remember, love is not disconnected to truth. 
So the importance of love in our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, in verse 1, Paul says that love is more important than spiritual gifts. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, let's have a look at the clanging cymbal. See, on the day of Pentecost, when the very first gospel sermon was ever preached, God gave the apostles the special gift, as we know, of being able to speak in languages that they'd never learned so that the people hearing them could understand what was being said. And so it's one of the spiritual gifts. But here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is saying that if God gave him the gift of speaking in every human language and even the heavenly language of the angels, but he didn't have love, then he would be nothing more than a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. See, back in the first century, there was a big gong or a cymbal hanging at the entrance of most pagan temples. And when people came to worship, worship false gods, come on now, when they came to worship false gods and worship idols, then there would be this resounding gong on the symbol or the thing announcing that people were in this temple about to worship false gods. And so Paul's directly using this as an analogy, that if you, you know, you got all this spiritual gift movement, it's all happening for you, but you actually don't have love, then it's all like just, you know, it's actually kind of an idol in your life, like a big sounding gong. Who thinks that that's challenging? Everyone put your hand on your heart. Go say this. God loves me so much that he wants to protect me by at times challenging me and convicting me so that I can choose to change. Amen. All right. And then in verse 2, Paul says that love is more important than knowledge. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but have not love, I am nothing. Paul says that even if you know it all, if you know everything there is to know about nuclear science, if you know everything there is to know about medicine, if you know everything there is to know about philosophy and psychology and theology and every kind of ology, if you know it all but have not love, then you're actually nothing at all. Interesting, isn't it? A lot of times, the philosophy of the world is, you know what we need to do to make this world a better place? We need to educate. We need to educate our children. We need to help people. Now, I value education. But actually, we need more love. And particularly, we need more love in the homes and in marriages. That's where we need love. So the answer is love. Education's great. We value education. At this church, we encourage people to get educated, get an education, get a qualification, get, be a person who learns, teachable, coachable, improve, develop, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. But, you know, if you don't have love, then what knowledge does? It puffs you up and you become a big prideful puff. <laughs> oh, did you know that based on my research... <laughs> the Holy Spirit looks at that and goes... Big puff of prideful knowledge. Where's your love? Get your love on. Number three. Thirdly, Paul says that if that love is more important than faith. What? Everyone put your hand on your cheeks like this and go, no. Turn to someone and say, what? Love is more important than faith. And yet the Bible says that without faith, you can't please God. 
But love is more important than faith. Boom, 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 boom. It's shaking this room. <laughs> now, he doesn't f- say that faith is not important. He just says that love is more important than faith. He said, if I have, a f- have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Next one is love is more important than generosity. Paul says, if I give all I possess to the poor, but have not love, I gain nothing. Again, it's about balance. See, I've heard people brag about how much they give to the poor or how, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just doing this and I'm doing this. They've got a martyr spirit. It actually comes from pride. Do you know that? It's actually, look at me, look at me, how humble I am. It's called false humility. So all of that without love is actually really gross, unattractive, false humility. So again, God wants to recalibrate so that we're good examples of his love and we're, we're, we're actually seeing fruit come from love. Then he says, Paul says, that love is more important than accomplishments. He says, if I surrender my body to the flames, as in if I actually die for Christ, but have not love, I gain nothing. So what Paul is actually saying is this. So if I go to church every time the church doors are open, and if I, if I read my Bible faithfully, and if I pray, and if I do all the things that a Christian person ought to do, but if there is no love behind all that, that I do, then it actually means nothing. going to ask Jason to come. Thank you, Pastor Jason. Just want everyone to close your eyes in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Lord, I pray that you would continue just over these next couple of minutes to pour out, pour out your love. Pour out your love, God. Pour out the revelation of your love, Jesus. Sensing there are some people here. I'm hearing heartbreak. Hearing the word family. Hearing the word hurt. Hearing the word tired, weary. Hearing the words feel like giving up. feel like God's just whispering to me words that are running through people's thoughts about situations. Heaviness of heart. Hopeless. I'm hearing God say this. Courage them to bring it to me today to invite me in 
the very middle of their situation or their heart. So God's saying that I so loved the world that I gave my only begotten Son that whoever should believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Let's retranslate. But whoever would believe that He's not just an Easter icon but He's a God that's alive today who can bring breakthrough and change and shifts and healing and miracles in situations today, that those people would not perish, that they would not remain stuck in the hopelessness of their heartbreak, but they would have everlasting life, meaning breakthrough would be upon them. Since there's healing in this place, and so if you're here today, and you know this at some level, some type of heartbreak that's been going on on the inside of you. God wants to heal it today. He wants to pour out His unstoppable love, His overflowing mercy, His impenetrable light. And he wants to bring healing. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you continue to pour out waves of your love right now in this place. And I thank you, Lord, that you're wanting to shatter atmospheres here today. Lord, you're wanting to shatter loneliness. You're wanting to shatter isolation. You're wanting to shatter unforgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that you want to take the heavy burdens today. Now if that's you, I want to ask you, I want you to come to the front. I'm going to pray for you, but I don't want you to hesitate. I sense that God wants you to step out right now in this place and come to the front. He wants to pour out just a healing today. So if that's you, I want you to stand and come to the front. Don't wait. Don't pause. Don't be afraid. Come boldly, come ferociously, knowing that your God died for you, that there is nothing that he cannot do, there's nothing that he cannot bring a breakthrough to. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask just all of our team, if you can, to stand behind all these people. Life group leaders, youth leaders, young adults leaders. If those leaders are being ministered to, that's okay. Stay in position. Thank you, Lord. Now, for everyone who's here, I just want you to, to position yourself by faith. I believe today that God wants to do something here that He did to me in that room 2 a.m. that morning with my youth pastor. And He wanted to do, that day, He wanted to do heart surgery on me. 
and he wants to do heart surgery here. But first of all, like when we position ourselves for an operation, we have to trust. So I just want you to do this. I want you to put your hand on your heart and say this after me. Jesus, I trust you. I invite you into my heart to operate on me spiritually today. Bring a healing to my broken heart. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now I want you to put your hands open like you're going to receive. Father, I pray, Lord, as Lord, we lay hands and we pray that your supernatural wave of anointing and love, Lord, to operate on the brokenness of humanity, Lord, would pour in to every human heart here at this altar. And I pray, God, there'll be no restriction on your love, there'll be no restriction on your healing, on your power, Lord. Lord, that they're here, they're open, they humble themselves. And they're inviting you to pour in, God, to bring a healing. In Jesus' name, I hear the Lord say that it's going to heal things from your childhood. I hear the Lord say there's going to be things where people have tried to label you and curse your identity. And God says, I'm going to rip them out. I'm going to bring life, says God. God says there are people here who you haven't loved yourself, let alone being able to enjoy my love, says God. God says, I'm going to try and come in and I'm going to start to shift that, says God. You're going to start to be confident. You're going to start to know that me in you makes you love yourself. Father, right now, I thank you, Lord, for a move of God in this place. And I'm going to ask every believer that's sitting down in the seats to cooperate by praying and praying and praying. I'm going to ask every person who's sitting down in their seat to pray with me and believe with me right now, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord, as I pace back and forth right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would cause, Lord, a wave of the anointing in this place. Father, to start to prophetically, Lord, rise in this place. And I decree, Lord, that there's a shift in the atmosphere in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, there'd be like a piercing in the spirit realm right now, Father God. Lord, with the enemy's shackles and strongholds and people's lives that's been restricting them, God. Lord, we decree and we declare right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that those shackles from hell be broken right now, Father. And I thank you, Lord, for a level of freedom right now, freedom right now, freedom right now. Come. Father, set them free, Lord. Healing, healing. Your word says, lay hands, lay hands, lay hands. Healing, Jesus. Healing, God. Healing, Jesus. Love. Your love, Lord. Your love. Heal them, Father. Bring the healing right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Healing, Lord. Healing, Father. Breakthrough.